Very exciting day on the Bad Signal Podcast. I just like to collect all of the former game day employees. Marcus Mosher, how are we doing on this glorious Wednesday? Uh, doing very well. Our uh, Dallas Cowboys, four and one. Exciting. We got a, a really fun week six coming up. Uh, excited to talk about it all. You said our Dallas Cowboys. That does not include me. Although well, kind of can, do. right? You, you can be uh, a part of this. You can be uh, a part. Okay. Okay. I mean, we got a lot to talk about the NFC East. I wanted to have Marcus on to preview the Cowboys. Um, we were doing some NFC East previews. It got a little too tedious and I never had him on. I, we, we did, we did Sal Palantonio with the Eagles, which was a very interesting conversation. Old heads on young podcasts. I, I just want to say, listen, that was a very difficult. Go interview. listen to it. It's a fun listen. It's a fun, it's a fun listen, but it was also like very nerve wracking because some of my predictions that I, I was dishing out to Mr. Palantonio, Sal Pal, he was like, wow, that's pretty bold, Courtney. Why don't you call me in the middle of the season and let's let's confirm that that happens. By the way, um, I think you were right on Matt Stafford. I said something about, I said, Matt Stafford, uh, I think his el- this shoulder elbow injury is going to be an issue. And I think that he's going to miss a significant amount of time. And Sal stopped me in my tracks. And he was like, that's, that's pretty bold, Courtney. I mean, I you think probably should have, right? Like, if you've seen the way the season's gone so far, they probably should have just rested him a few weeks and got him healthy, right? So you, you're kind of right. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not patting myself on the back here. Listen, like, I'm. I'm just. I'm just a girl who likes football. I used to work for the NFL Network, and he's got a good eye for humble. Brand. Good eye for talent, and a good eye for over unders. Well, on this show, we're going to talk a lot about the NFC East. That crazy Monday night football game. That was just tantalizing and wild. And why the hell did they go for two? They could have been up by eight. And then I could have won my bet if they held the Raiders on the other side of the ball. Derek Carr had a night for himself. Um, Yeah, we'll get to all of that. And um, bad football. Bad football versus bad quarterbacks. Good head coaches. We got to talk about the underperformers and and what is next for uh, those quarterbacks in the league. And then, of course, we got to talk about some Dallas Cowboys, some NFC East stuff, um, and keeping quarterbacks in bubbles because we got some breaking news on uh, on this hour right now. Skylar Thompson, would you say he's from Kansas State? That's where he he played yes. his college ball. Yes, he played like seventeen years at Kansas State. Yep. <laughs> oh, he's a he's a six year senior. You know, he got yeah. that extra extra level of eligibility. Skylar Thompson named the quarterback for the. Miami Dolphins on Sunday uh, by head coach Mike McDaniel. Should we be keeping these quarterbacks in bubbles and, you know, roughing the passer versus the Tom Brady? I think that they're in a really, really big predicament right now, the league, on how to protect quarterbacks. They're, they have to, because of Tua, they have to up the protocols. Um, but, uh, I mean, the Dolphins are down to their last string quarterback. He did have some magic. Skylar Thompson did in the preseason, but I'm not so sure um, on an NFL Sunday. What do you think, Marcus? Uh, all right, you ready for a hot Skylar Thompson take? Just coming right out, firing. Ready? Okay, let's go. I kind of thought Skylar Thompson was the best quarterback in this draft class over Kenny Pickett, over Desmond Ritter. You look at some of his stats at Kansas State, he threw for a bunch of yards. He's tough. And then you saw him in the preseason, and he just put up ridiculous numbers. I don't care that he struggled against the Jets last week. He probably got like two plays in practice all week, came in there, played all right. I won't be shocked if he looks really good this week against the Vikings with a full week of practice. That's that's my hot take, Court. Oh, I I love this hot take. I love this hot take. So what do you think about I got a hot take from um 
a defensive coach in the NFL. I, I can't disclose any names, but uh, he called me and he was trying to give me a little hot take. I said, what do you think about McDaniel's play calling? And he's like, well, listen, uh, you know, it, it's pretty predictable when you got like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle just like exhausted because they're running all these deep routes and then they pull them off the field and everyone knows they're going to run the ball. So we stopped the run groundbreaking stuff incredible but, just I, I don't know how you'd be able to know that if you weren't on the field watching just awesome stuff i i got my notepad out i was on the phone i was like oh shit got some major scoops. you thought you were gonna get no, something right, like hey the, the center's like, the center's the telegraphing what play they're gonna run or tyreek hill can only run certain routes but no we're, no, we stopped the run with tyreek hill and waddle weren't on the field yeah, exactly. They're exhausted from running all these deep routes. I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Listen, Mike McDaniel is a mad scientist, and I know that a lot of people in New England are pretty pissed. They call him Boy Wonder. It's how like how how side like if someone had like to put up the finger on the side like from New England, they got yeah. like both middle fingers up from New England down to Miami. Like, oh yeah, you think your team is good? Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, right? is like, mad scientist the, the best way to describe Mike McDaniel? Cause I think he's like your copy barista who they just pulled out to be a head coach. It has like 15 great plays that nobody can stop. And two of the fastest guys in NFL history on the same <laughs> offense. I, I just, I, I find him to be, um, a breath of fresh air. He is great. I love it. I, 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 I'm so glad that Miami has him as a head coach. Yeah, I agree. And I just think that the league is. I guess we'll move on to our kind of like the, the next idea that I wanted to dish over to you is, I mean, the success of the New York Giants and Brian Dable. And um, I think the New York Jets, I think the New York Jets, even though Robert Salah, they said that he's not the best head coach. I think that the Jets have more talent than the Giants. Yes. However, Brian Dable and what he has done to a mediocre quarterback in Daniel Jones, the it just like the, the opposite of um, great coaching, and mediocre talent. I would say that McDaniel and Brian Dable are perhaps uh, doing more with less. And then you look over at the rest of the league, uh, Matt Rule, who just got fired. Um, Peterson, uh, like. We'll I see. Got to give him Matt a little Lars bit of time. Are, Things were yeah. so bad in Jacksonville. Just give him a, l- a little bit of time. I think give him a little time. But Nathaniel Hackett, my yeah. God. Um, I am pretty, I'm pretty sure that he's like, he's, he's, he's playing with a video game controller. That's do, doing I, I little with a lot over there, right? Uh, like the talent's very, so good. And that team is really underachieving through five games. I just think he's not a good coach. No. Um, and, perhaps- and when you compare that to like what Dable's doing with the giants, like, I think the giants have like one of the bottom five or six rosters in the NFL Yep, and they're four and one right now. Like I think. Brian Dable is not just a good coach. I think he might be a great coach. And once that Giants team starts to get some talent, they're going to be really hard to stop. Uh, But for the Jets, Robert Sala, I think he's a fine coach. They've got a lot more talent than the Giants do in there. Kind of staying afloat at three and two. And we'll see how they do when they play some better teams coming up. I love that everyone's really hyped on the Jets moving up in the power rankings. Like it's just great. like it's like the, it's a it's a great <laughs> fall day, crisp fall day in New York City. Just wait until the weather starts to turn. November, it will get a lot darker up there in the metropolitan area. Marcus, what do you think about some of the other underperforming quarterbacks in this league? The Matt Ryan's, Russell Wilson's, and Carson Wentz. And listen, 
should we be giving some of these quarterbacks? I mean, these guys are making a lot of money here. One of the worst offenses in football, let's start with that, is the Indianapolis Colts. How much longer can he stretch this out before he gets his head coach fired? Um, I even said that Jim Irsay was going to blow up this team midseason, and I, I'm surprised that he hasn't already done it. Yeah, we're trending that way, right? Like, there's just no way that Matt Ryan's going to be able to overcome that bad offensive line. Chris Ballard, the GM for the Colts, decided to go with another washed quarterback, and he's kind of paying the consequences. I know that they beat Denver last week in one of the dumbest games you'll ever see, but this team needs a total reset. Like, they need to go after a young quarterback somebody that's not on their second, third, fourth team, because it's pretty clear that Matt Ryan's just not it. He's had a great career, but it's over. Yeah. Um, Russell Wilson. I love that our friend Matthew Barry made a prediction that Russell Wilson was going to go and, and claim that he got a shot in his shoulder to make sure it's okay. Just to excuse his pay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think that he's underperforming. Oh yeah. I mean, how could you not, right? Like that offense is atrocious. They have, uh, they have good receivers in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Um, they have good running backs before Javante Williams got hurt, but yeah, for this offense to sputter this much and to struggle to even get into the red zone, uh, this has got to be one of the biggest disappointments you'll ever see, especially when you consider what Denver gave up to acquire him and what you're seeing in Seattle right now. I think that's, that's what, what makes it worse, right? Like, they gave up all these picks to get Russell Wilson, and yet they might have traded for the wrong quarterback because Geno Smith is playing out of his mind right now. Well, so who has the higher upside? Is it Marcus Mariota or Geno Smith? Because I think oh, these Gino. are Geno, yeah. you think so? Because yeah. I think both of these quarterbacks, I, I just feel like I feel like the diamond in the rough, the one that was written off. Like, like if Ryan Tannehill was knocked to the knocked to the curb. I don't think anyone would remember him. But like the fact that you got Marcus Mariota, former second overall pick. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, not getting his shot in his prime. I feel like it's just untapped potential. I, I feel like in a different situation, maybe the answer is Mariota, right? Like if the 49ers would have moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo and brought in Marcus Mariota to be their backup behind Trey Lance, I think you could have saw, seen Mariota have a fantastic season under Kyle Shanahan. But in Atlanta, mm-hmm. with really no passing weapons, with, you know, now their running game is struggling without Cordero Patterson. It's going to be tough for, for Mariota to have su- sustained success uh, there with the Falcons. What is there? Is Kyle Pitts a massive draft disappointment? I mean, like, I can remember after that draft, listening to some podcasts and kind of scanning the league and thinking Kyle Pitts was going to be the offensive rookie of the year. What has happened to Mr. Pitts? I thought Pitts was the best player in the 2021 I, draft. I mean, just right? a pure football player. Uh, and then when I went this morning to have my cereal, I looked at my milk carton and his face was on. It was, I mean, we just haven't seen him, Courtney. I, I I don't know what happened. I don't know. I mean, I know he was injured last week, but I don't know how Arthur Smith doesn't design pits, you know, 12, 14 targets a game because he is an absolute monster, but they just don't use him, And it's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, Will Jacoby Brissett get a chance at another team once um, once Mr. Deshaun Watson comes back? You got to think, like, Deshaun's been on the mail carton for a little bit, but we're inching closer to week 11. I mean, like, these weeks keeps keep chugging along. We're yeah, on... maybe he'll be the next Colts quarterback I... once again, right? Like, now that he's on his fifth team or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I do think Jacoby will get another shot because while he's had some frustrating interceptions over the last couple of weeks, 
for the most part, he's been really good. And I think you can call him a top 20 quarterback in the league. And there's a lot of teams that would love to have somebody that is reliable, like Jacoby Brissett, that can get first downs with his legs. I do think Jacoby, in time, will get another shot. Um, I have some breaking news for you. Very Uh-oh. exciting. Uh, uh, head coach Mike McCarthy. Talk about guys on their second, third, ninth life. Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys says that we are preparing for Cooper Rush to be the starter against the Eagles. Um, that that is breaking me, news to me. I, I uh, yeah. yeah. Can you can you give me like your best Jerry Jones um, post game <laughs> reaction when someone in the locker room asks him about when they think that Dak Prescott is going to be okay? Like I, I saw something. Uh, I saw sure. a tweet that someone said. Uh, you know. We want the velocity of the ball to be spinning at 48 degrees. We really want him to be the grip and we need him to be 110% and not just a hundred percent. I don't do a good Jerry Jones impression, but I'll do my uh, best. I need, I need the best. I need the best. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that Dak Prescott, um, we want to see that thing just firing off his fingers. And once he has the grip to, to hold that football and make plays down the field, yeah, that, that's when uh, we'll put him back in the lineup because we are a darn good team with Dak Prescott in the lineup for our Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Jerry, is it true that you have the best mac and cheese and the best media food in the league? Why uh, is it so important for you to hold this title as greatest cafeteria food for media members? Uh, we, we, we as Dallas Cowboys pride ourselves in uh, making sure that our staff is fed. So they write really good things about us in the newspaper for the next day. <laughs> He probably like pumps in good oxygen in the press box, like a like a dot like a Vegas casino, just to make sure that everyone is elated and happy. Yeah, Especially just, after a playoff loss, first round exit, little I CBD think. in there or whatever, just to get people a little bit excited. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the food is fantastic. Oh my god, yeah, I can I can remember. There's some stories. I think they did a story on NFL Network about. The mac and cheese being like some of the best mac and cheese. Yeah, uh, that place is, really is that place is spectacular. I did do um I did a feature during during COVID really, 2020. He saw he spent 53 million dollars on the wireless upgrade yeah. to AT&T Stadium. So that stadium is now technologically prepared. If you had like you know like uh, 5G, it's already in 6G. That's that way you can tweet about the Dallas Cowboys as fast as possible to, to get people talking. That's exactly why Jerry Jones wanted to have the fastest internet possible. Oh no, but this is actually, this is actually fascinating. So how they upgrade the stadium to be technologically sound for the next 10 years is they build basically like this big pie, yep. you know, like yep. imagine the stadium is equipped like a pie. And so once those technology upgrades come in, it's like each level of the pie kind of splits into individually. So depending on where you're sitting, like the middle of the stadium is going to have like almost like a specific coordination mm-hmm. for where you're sitting and you will have your own Wi-Fi. Yep. Like, so, so you're not disrupted by everyone else. They yep. need to do that at, at FTX arena because um, they're Wi-Fi all right all now. These Starbucks that I have to sit at and work out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I'm 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 a, I'm a little upset with the heat Wi-Fi. I'm like, there's something wrong with it. Um, we need an upgrade. You're you not bitter what? though. Well, first we're world problems, that. right? <laughs> now that we got off track talking about Jerry Jones, um, how does Jerry Jones feel about his quarterback Cooper Rush? I mean, is he not the biggest surprise oh, of yeah. the NFL this year? That man is due for a massive payday. 
I thought when Dak Prescott got injured in week one that the Cowboys season was over. And that's all the talking heads talked about for the next week was, hey, hey, we know that the season's over the Cowboys. Now it's just about evaluating talent. And Sean Payton, welcome to coaching the Dallas Cowboys in 2023. But now the Cowboys are sitting at four and one with Cooper Rush, although he's not doing a ton. He's just doing enough for the Cowboys to get by and. If they defeat the Eagles this week in uh, Lincoln, uh, you know, financial Cowboys will have the best record of the NFC and they'll be poised to have the number one seed. Like that's how fast things have changed for Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. What is so great about this Dallas Cowboys team, at least right now? I mean, we can talk about how well that Jerry Jones has drafted. This defense led by Micah Parsons is the best I've ever seen from the Dallas Cowboys, even better than the defenses that we saw in the nineties when the Cowboys were winning the Super Bowl, like they can legitimately win games by just their defense. Look at the Rams game, right? They, they, on the first play of the game, they got a strip sack uh, that was returned for a touchdown on the next drive. They got a punt block uh, and they, that was, they scored a field goal on that drive after the offense, like lost eight yards or whatever. And the Rams only scored 10 points the whole day. So the defense out almost outscored the entire Rams offense like they are just legitimately dominant and it's not just Micah Parsons. It's Trevon Diggs. It's Demarcus Lawrence. It's Donovan Wilson, their safety. Like they just are loaded with talent. And if that's the reason, if, if they're going to beat the Eagles here in week six, it's going to be because of their defense, not necessarily Cooper rush. Well, Demarcus Lawrence, it's so crazy. He, that guy, he, um, client of one of my friends, David Cantor, mm-hmm. um, you know, he got him a major payday, some $95 million deal after back surgery. I mean, that guy has had, has broken his back like eight times and he's still playing at such a high level. Broke his foot multiple times. He's had shoulder injuries and this is the best I've ever seen him play, wow. which is incredible considering this is year seven, year eight for him now. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, Give me kind of a breakdown of um, how you see. Like, imagine that I'm Sal Palantonio, and I'm just going to give it to you real old and real straight. It was a a good call, uh, Courtney. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, that's exactly how it's going to (laughs) happen. This is a great interview. Why don't you call me in the middle of the season? We love love Sal Pal. Yeah, we love you, Sal. Um, He's one of the best reporters out there. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Jalen Hurts. And his ability to throw on third down. I know that that was one of the things that Sal Pal had highlighted. They were one of the worst third down teams um, in the league last year. I haven't updated any of the numbers because it's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I haven't started some of my prep. But what can you kind of aim and see as the game plan for this Sunday, Marcus? Kind of just going through what you believe to be like the three most important things to look out for in this um, legendary matchup. To me, it's just, can the Eagles run the ball? Because the Dallas Cowboys have the number one defense in the league in third and five plus. Basically, once you get to third and long, you're not getting a first down against the Cowboys because their pass rush is so good and their secondary is awesome. But they can be exposed against the run a little bit. And that's what we know the Eagles do really well with not only Jalen Hurts, but with Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. If the Eagles are going to win this game, they've got to be able to run successfully on first and second down, avoid third downs, and then create the chunk plays down the field. And then on top of that, Courtney, the Cowboys have started fast in each of the last four games with Cooper Rush. They they were up 9-0 on Washington. They jumped out to a 14-0 lead against the Bengals. When you have a backup quarterback, you can't afford to fall behind early because you just don't have the firepower to get back into these games. So if the Cowboys can start off hot, 
force the Eagles out of a, a lot of running plays. I think they'll have success. But the Eagles are just the better team, especially now with Jalen Hurts playing as well as he he is. I expect the Eagles to get off to a fast start, be up 10-0, and that's when they can really start to hunt Cooper Rush on offense. So yeah. uh, I, I this is a game that the Eagles should win. I think they will. Okay. Um, what about the Cowboys and their running game? I mean, have, have we kind of seen the last of the great Ezekiel Elliott and, uh, you know, is, or is Tony Pollard kind of, um, still hanging in there on that RB two position? Yeah. I still think the Cowboys want to get Zeke 15 to 16 touches a game. And you, you can see why he's still a really good short yardage runner. He's really tough between the tackles, but I mean, Courtney, we all have eyeballs, right? Like we, we yeah. can see who's the better running back here. I, I think the Cowboys are being careful not to overwork Tony Pollard, but anytime that he's in the game, you just kind of hold your breath because he could score from anywhere on the field. And I think he's going to have to be one of the biggest X factors for the Cowboys in this matchup. With Cooper Rush um, on offense and Manning under center, what, um, what is his strength just in terms of getting the balls out to um, a lot of his receivers? Um, I haven't watched a lot of Cowboys games, so you know, for uh, the for the fan with the naked eye, what can yeah. we expect from the from the Cowboys offense? What what does Cooper Rush do, do the best? I mean, does he have a, a, a an arm that he can sling it all over the field, or um, you know, he's throwing to wide receivers, he's throwing to tight ends? Like, what what's kind of his uh, method to the madness? Corey, how far do you think you could throw a football right now if you had to? I need to stretch my shoulder. I don't want to. I don't want to blow my shoulder without yeah, I without think, blowing your rotator. Um, 25 yards. Okay, then you and Cooper Rush have the same arm. The, okay. Cooper Rush, is, his strength is he's been in the system for five or six years now. He knows where to go to the ball, and he can deliver it accurately. He just doesn't have an NFL arm. Like, it's just not good. So everything – He's the check he down king? Is he a check down king? No, I mean, he'll throw the ball down the middle of the field 15, 20 yards, but there's no velocity behind it. So he's got to do everything with anticipation and accuracy – and that's how he's kind of done it so far. He hasn't turned the ball over. He hasn't made bad reads and he's kind of kept the Cowboys offense on track, but no, he does not have a, does not have a good arm by any measure. Okay. Um, I, I I'm kind of just looking at your background. See, keeping with the Dallas Cowboys theme, it's so great because as I'm looking at you on this podcast and you can go check out bad signal podcasts on YouTube, if you want to watch these on your TV, I never really understood that. Like, I mean, I could get it if someone's doing some work and you want to throw up a podcast on your television, mm -hmm. like for sure. Um, but bad signal podcast on YouTube, go subscribe. If you're here listening because of Marcus Mosher, then we want you to be a fan of the podcast as well. We got some great guests. Listen, you can't come on my show unless you're a celebrity. Marcus fits Jeez. that mold. Um, speaking of celebrities, I love that the, um, frame of Tony Romo's jersey is perfectly aligned over yeah. your head. It's not on accident. Over, over your little spiky blonde hair, it says <laughs> Romo. So, and then on the other side, over the bad signal, it says Sanders, like mm -hmm. Deion Sanders. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, so uh, who had the better Dallas Cowboys career? Because we know Deion Sanders also had a great career with the Atlanta Falcons. Um Tony Romo. Mm. I mean, like, you know, like who's your, uh, who's your favorite Dallas Cowboy? Oh, sir? so that's, that's a really tough question. So Dion was my favorite player as a kid. And how could he not be like six year old Marcus watching Dion return punts and play on offense was a lot of fun, but I think Romo was still my favorite Cowboy because I loved him so much watching him in the preseason. Then when he finally got the chance to start, 
it was fun and it was different and it wasn't Drew Bledsoe and you didn't have a washed up quarterback playing. Uh, I think Romo, if I had to, to, to pick a favorite cowboy, I think it would be Tony Romo. I, I just remembered Thanksgivings with Tony Romo. That's yes. uh, I just like have memories. Listen, I watched a lot of football. I watched a lot more football than I did basketball as a kid, but Tony Romo. Um, Who was your Dallas basketball Cowboys. team as a kid? Uh, Celtics, obviously. I gave them up when I was 16, though. That's the big, long story. Once Antoine Walker was traded to the uh, to the Mavericks and then eventually to the Heat, I lost my shit. I, I was 16. I was out. I was calling into sports radio. I was yelling at them. I was like, I hate Danny Ainge. What is he doing? He's ruining yeah. this team. So how'd you become um, a Celtics fan then? Was it like born into you? I, I, I grew up in Boston. So yes, you were born Come in. Yeah. So I, I my brother, I, I grew a, up a Celtics fan. I can remember my brother. I mean, yeah, I grew up eight miles north of Boston in a suburb called Winchester, Massachusetts. Very fancy white collar town, you know, but we love our sports and we had, uh, you know, parents that would allow us to go all, to all the games. So, you know, I would hitch, all, hitch a ride with some friends and go to Fenway Park. I can remember one of my first memories is going to a Red Sox game in the bleachers and I... I must have been seven, eight years old, and these kids were like, you know, they're they're cursing like mm-hmm. mad dogs from South. Like a Boston person. Like a Boston, yeah. and they're like, you have to be nice because she's like, what are you doing? There's children here. And I mean, to be honest, it was like, I didn't really care. Yep. You know, I was like, all right, you do you. But everyone was so upset about, you know, my, my virgin ears. Trust me. You grew up in Boston. You're just like immune to it. So, um, so, so you're, you're not going to like this. Um, oh, God. My grandmother watched every basketball game in like the 60s and 70s. And she is, she was a Laker fan. She still is a Laker fan. Uh, She's a big Jerry West fan. So I was born into Laker culture. Oh, still God. Am. Still am. My grandma, she's in her mid 90s now. Um, she, God still bless gets, her. she still gets the, the NBA league pass and watches every single Laker game on the East Coast. So those games start at like, you know, 10 30 Eastern time. She stays up and watches them. Wow. Well, so we're born I- into it. Okay, well, I'll I'll counter with this. I have one grandparent left. She is 99 years old. She grew up in Chicago. Their family uh, okay. grew up in Chicago, but um, she would be the one when she when I would say that Tom Brady was washed, she would be like, "Hush, you shut up." <laughs> the women in sports in my family, surprisingly, and that's on my dad's side. My dad doesn't like sports, but um, yeah, my grandmother is very same with same with the. The old school, the, the the basketball back in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, it's Huge something when your Celtics. grandmother likes watches sports. Like it just makes it even better, right? Yeah. Like they 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 are diehard fans for life, which is awesome. <laughs> I'll never forget. I was like talking, but she's like, "Oh, when the Celtics were playing the Heat, I said go Heat." She's like, "Don't tell me that." She's very active. She's very sharp. Grandma Julie is very sharp on the text. I just got off the phone with my grandma a couple of days ago, and she's like, "Do you think Dennis Schroeder is going to have a better?" Second round with the Lakers. It's like, oh, Grandma, you are you're so far gone. This I can't even talk to you about this anymore. Have you have you seen Dennis Schroeder? Dennis Schroeder, he better have that because he just got like a tattoo of the Lakers over his knee. I just saw that. Uh, Instagram. That, that's where we're at as Laker fans. Our our season count is banking on Dennis Schroeder oh, being good again. So you're just basically like a like a big Drake and LeBron guy. Like you just like blow hard on all of the hated. What are you a Yankee fan too? No, I. The Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Oh, that's very cool. Very cool stadium that I really, really want. PNC is amazing. Yeah, I, I, that's one of my, one of my, um, 
one of my great stadiums that I really want to go to. And then I, I'd say like out in Colorado, I don't really want to go see a Rockies game, but I really want to go to Red Rocks. And yeah, no, go to PNC. It's the it's the most beautiful ballpark in America. You'll love it. Oh, I saw a TikTok last night. Speaking of history, so did you see that there was a there's a million dollar baseball. And I will so I will preface this by saying I found this on TikTok. I don't know if this is recent, so this is old news that you can you know shoot me in the leg and and turn this podcast off. However, they found a um, a, a time capsule in the Chicago Tribune building, one of the Tribune buildings that they were turning into condos. It was from the sports editor from 1920, and he shoved it in the wall. And there's a, a letter. And basically, this was the baseball from the 1919 World Series. Really? Wait, the 1919 World Series was rigged. Remember, mm -hmm. they went into yep. it was against the Red Sox, and they went into Hotel Buckminster, and they, they you know, so the Chicago White Sox, um, they, they, they lost purposely mm -hmm. um, in this World Series. But it was like this ball that they threw like 10 strikeouts. I mean, the ball looks like terrible, like, looks like crap, but um, – yeah, they found this. They found this baseball, and they said it's going to be on display there. It should be in Cooperstown. I don't understand, like, why this wasn't handed over to Major League Baseball. But I thought that that was very cool. So, is somebody selling this baseball? No, no. It's basically like it's in the hands of some of the investors of the building. Oh, so they get, they got Chicago. I it's one of the it's one of the major. I believe obviously it would be. A, uh, the Chicago, I believe it's the Chicago Tribune building because why would a you know sports editor yeah, just be right. filling in some random right. some random building? Um, but damn, how much would like, you pay for that baseball? Like just as is, it, it looks like a really dirty, nasty baseball. Like, said, it really like, looks like no, like this baseball is not well kept. It looks like blue and moldy green. Like, like if your friends like came over to your house and you had that baseball, are they going to be that impressed with it? It's no, like, oh, cool. I, I wouldn't want the baseball. I'd be like, yeah, sore eyes in my living room. Why don't I just get a picture of the or, baseball and have someone sign it? Like, oh, cool baseball. I like your succulent as well next to it. <laughs> is, is that a, is that a, is that a prickly pear cactus? I believe. Yeah, I like it. Oh, cat's claw tree. Yes. Oh, TJ Maxx, six bucks. Yep. <laughs> now my plants are expensive, man. That's what <laughs> We gotta make sure that these plants are great down here, um, Marcus. This is this has been fun. Um, do you want to talk about some anything else for like NFL? I keep getting some some alerts. Tre'Davious uh, White is returning. Let's talk about some Buffalo Bills. Sure, guy. let's do it. Similar to how they did things last year, I think their point differential this year is like plus ninety four. It's the most. They're mm -hmm. smoking teams once again. But when they beat teams, they beat teams badly. When they lose, it's by less than seven points. Mm -hmm. It's like a very insanely tense, close game. Why doesn't Gabe Davis get as much love as he should in the NFL? Well, I, I think he was going to after that huge playoff game last year, but he got hurt after week one in practice, and he's been a little gimpy the last couple of weeks. Against the Steelers, goes out and just has a monster, monster game. But, yeah, I think he's one of the better, like, number two receivers in the league. And if the Bills want any shot or any chance of winning this game against Kansas City, they're going to need him to have another one of those two, three touchdown games. I, I, I agree with you. He's one of the more underrated players in the entire NFL. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills going up against the Chiefs. Um, is Chiefs, it just kind of a – Underdogs, though. This is the first I, okay. time – First time Ooh. in Patrick Mahomes' career, he's been a home underdog. So that's interesting. 
Okay, so what is it? What does your sports betting mind tell you on that sense? Am I going to get totally of these like reverse line movement contrarian picks? No, we're we're not going to be total nerd here. No, we're not. We're not no. going to be nerds. Okay. It's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I know. Home, I know. You know what? I'm still kind of pissed. Listen, he went for why? Oh, this brings up another conversation that I have on my little topic sheet to talk to you on this great bad signal Wednesday. Um. Why the hell did they go for two in that situation? Have we kind of just outplayed the analytics in this sense that we need to go back to common sense? Because, like, I don't understand how common sense did not want you to put the game up by seven instead of by eight. So, I, the rate- I just like that didn't make sense because I had Chiefs minus seven and a half. So, yeah. So, the like, Chiefs oh. had was it they were they were up seven and they had a chance to go up, go up by eight. nine, right? Up if they got the two nine, point yeah, conversion, correct. if they kick the extra point, they go up by eight. I get it, right? You go up two scores if you get it. If not, the Raiders are still down by seven. That one makes sense to me. I, I want to know your thoughts on the next one, right? The the Raiders I going know, for yeah. two. Uh, because one. because I I think that Josh McDaniels just wanted to show his big ass balls. On he just wanted to just no. He really there. he really just wanted to show it. One of those like fourth and two at midfield. Bill Belichick yeah. playing the Indianapolis Colts with the Patriots. Like one of those big ass moments where I'm gonna go for two to win the game. But all right, Quadri, I think it could kind of work though, right? Like obviously if you get it, you're up by one, that's great, right? You have a lead against Kansas city late in the fourth quarter, but if you don't get it, what ended up happening was the chiefs got ultra conservative on offense. All they did was run the ball. They weren't trying to push the ball down the field and score more points. And what that allowed the Raiders to do was get the ball back only needing a field goal to win. So I kind of think Josh McDaniels big brain us all here. He, he played it the right way. Okay. Contrarian opinion. Just catches that ball. They beat the chiefs in Kansas city. It's just, uh, yeah. But I think also Josh McDaniels wanted to have a little bit of a, a measuring contest in this game uh, with Andy Reid. To me, I, I just think everyone feels like dangerously sad for the Las Vegas Raiders. They're um, so much better than the record, right? They're one in four and they're so much better than that. You know what? But this is the perfect time in the NFL to prove everyone wrong. Like, Listen, we're just five weeks through the season and everyone that's saying, oh my God, they're so much better than their record. Well, I mean, just judging by how well and how poorly a lot of these teams have played, a lot of them are going to be speaking to their record because we got, you know, 17 games to play. And they have games coming up against the Texans, the Jaguars, the Colts, Seahawks, the Steelers, like they're. They could get back to 500 in no time. So I, I, I'm i not pushing the panic button on them yet because we just saw them, Courtney, go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. Like, yeah. this team is a legitimate playoff contender, but the record doesn't show that yet. Yeah, I would say so. Poor Steelers, man. That's okay. um, I, I think uh, they and the Tennessee Titans, they got to pull the plug on um, on Tannehill. They got to start Malik Willis. I think I the sooner the better. Get these guys some experience. You know, if you know that it's a lost season, why not kind of roll the dice in the middle of the year? Yeah, I can see it with the Titans because you've probably gone as far as you can with Ryan Tannehill, which, I mean, they went a long ways. They were the number one seed last year. They got to the AFC championship. It was never game. about him, Marcus, and you was, know that. It was he about was the never, run game the Never defense. about right. him. He's one of the most mediocre quarterbacks right. in the league. They would win because Derrick Henry would run over 200 yards. And exactly. they, he would. He would throw maybe one or two touchdowns. He would move the chains down the field. And he wouldn't make mistakes, right? Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't make like, a mistake. 
I do think at some point this season, Mike Vrabel is going to have to look at his team and be like, you know what? Malik Willis gives us a little bit more upside. We know that he's more likely to turn the ball over. We know that our off passing offense might not be as good, but if he can do a Jalen Hurts impression where he's running the ball for 75 yards and gives yeah. us a couple of chunk plays in the passing game, why not? Because we're not beating the Chiefs with Ryan Tannehill. We're not beating the Chargers. We're not beating the Bills. Take the risk and see what you got. Should I? I was just thinking about texting John Robinson and be like, yeah. Everyone knows on this podcast I like to do a little name drop. I'm texting John Robinson and being like, yo, J-Rob, start Malik Willis. Should we you do should. that on the show and see what he says? Yeah, I think so. Okay, all right. Do, 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 do. And this break is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Are you into fantasy football, Mark? I mean, I think I did about 350 underdog drafts this summer. Did I think that's really? the actual number. I think that's no the actual way. number. Wait, okay. So do you know about the best ball resurrection? If you're listening to this right now, the best ball, uh, best ball mania, which is basically the draft where you draft your entire team and the league speaks for itself. They take your best players from each one. There's no waiver wire or nothing. We're having a best ball resurrection. I'm in. Week six through 17. You better act fast because I think that it's closing tomorrow because it's going for week six week six through 17 best ball resurrection if you if you are like me and you hate your best ball team you got to act fast on that so underdogfantasy.com courtney is the code to sign up double your um i'm sure that you have a code and i'm just kind of like no you're good we're gonna use courtney because i need to i need to do this because my quarterbacks were dak and mac jones and like that was my highest exposure rating or ranking so yeah i'm in all right best ball resurrection courtney is the code we also have a new code coming up called the lab um very mm. funny i have friends that have a podcast called enter the lab and i'm thinking about i'm like putting together some of my pickums and pick five entries more or less and i will say this on terms that it's not you know a underdog feel it's more or less like a uh a prop parlay you yes. know, uh, yep. but that it's, it's not betting. It's not gambling, but it's fantasy football for real money. So um, that's how you got to think about it. So I have this like pick four, pick five entry. And I'm like, welcome to the lab. Yes. And, and like my friends, I tweeted this out. Cause I put together like a little prime time. Uh, what my best bets were for some of these props on these primetime games. And my friends were like, season desist, season desist. That's our podcast name. And I was like, yo, I'm so sorry. But now, yes, I think we're going to enter. Um, the lab is going to be the code if you uh, if you also want to be a part of the Bad Signal Podcast and the Underdog Fantasy Partnership. So yeah, okay. So I'm going to tweet at you, and we're gonna we're gonna enter into a yeah. Um, let's do it. Let's we're gonna do again. a let's, best call resurrection. Yeah. Yes, let's do it. Right. J Rob, what do I say? J Rob, we need we need to start, start Malik. Malik. Just just two words. Start Malik. Start two words. Start Malik. Okay, that's what I'm gonna text him. Two words. You could also hone in like some of your start. Joe Biden and just say two words. Start Malik Willis. Two start start Malik. Well, that's three. <laughs> Willis, that's three. Third word. <laughs> Willis. <laughs> Let's see. I'm literally, I'm literally, I'm not kidding. I just texted, I just texted the GM. <laughs> This is the least he could do is start Malik Willis, right? It's I mean, least. like the least that he could, the least that John Robinson could do right now is start Malik Willis. Marcus, where can we find you? 
all over the place. Uh, I have a couple of different podcasts. How many podcasts? How many podcasts have you started? I mean, apparently, I you know, (laughs) I I can't I can't announce anything, but there is a potential for me to start another podcast project very close to home. If anyone really gets a podcast. Uh, no, that's not that one. It's no, uh, Locked on Cowboys, uh, Locked on Dynasty Football, where we talk about fantasy football every single week. And then I have a show with a former colleague of yours, uh, Elliot H- Harrison, the Power Ranking Show, where we He's rank so teams smart. every week. We discuss lines, and uh, it's a bunch of nonsense. Plus, we pull football cards, and we look at football cards. So it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Elliot Harrison is known as the historian. I mean, like, if you wanted someone – to be on your show and ask him about why a tittle, he would probably like run off of. So like here's a good preview. Here's a good okay. preview. I, I got a, a set of 1970 football cards. Ooh. And what I'll do is I'll just randomly pull a card and I'll say the player's name and Elliot will give me the stats of the year of that football card for that player. Okay. Just, it, yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. I know some people are crazy with numbers and like in their heads. He's incredible. It's um that's next level. I would say the only other person that I know that's really crazy with numbers, like I remember everyone's birthday just on the top of my head, but um Darren Ravel remembers like dates, specific things and yes. numbers, but he's just fucking bananas. And I, I had to mute him on everything because I just can't stand anything. You didn't like seeing the JFK assassination <laughs> at like eight o'clock in the morning one day. Oh my god, no, I you know what. I unfollowed him. I he's muted on Instagram. Uh, well, he's he's yeah. unfollowed. But you're right. He, he is great with numbers that way. So Elliot, I mean, he's going to be really excited that we just compared him to Darren Ravel. <laughs> that's the great. That's the greatest um, in-game comp that I could think of. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. All right. Yeah. Shout there you go. All right. Well, you have a good week. And uh, listen, I I'm going to see you for some best ball resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be drafting here pretty soon. It's gonna be, it should be a lot of fun. But thanks okay. for having me on the podcast, Courtney. Appreciate it. Let's do it again. Okay. Let's do it again. Fantastic.